0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Everybody, thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, and this is our weekly look at the Detroit Tigers. I am joined, as always, by Jason Beck. Beck, uh, you know, the Tigers have basically been a 500 team. They are a 500 team as we record this this season. And um, you just think about how different things might look if they had any success whatsoever against the Cleveland Indians. I'm, I'm stunned by this team's 0-9 record against the Tribe, of course, where it was swept in Detroit uh, last weekend. And the reason I'm so stunned is it's, it goes so far against the trend of, of the last few seasons, where has really dominated the Indians so what what do you think has been the difference in this particular matchup?
2: I think the starting pitching has been huge. Um, you know, the Indian starters who in the past have really struggled against that Tigers lineup really almost to a man, they, they've broken through and they've been able to keep these bats quiet they've mainly I, I think most impressively to me is you know just how quietly they've kept Cabrera. You know, they found that middle ground of pitching them inside, but still sending them up to, um, you know, to to get him out over the plate, to you know, maybe him to chase a little bit. You know, they they've gotten into his head a little bit, I think, and they, that makes a big difference. But but it's not just him; it's it's up and down the lineup. You know, Saturday's game I think was a very good example where you know just what uh, what Carrasco was able to do to these guys. Here's a guy that uh, the Tigers were able to hit pretty hard over over the previous few years, and uh, he didn't like like a lot of other guys right now, I mean he he's got their number.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and, and to your point, to the grander point, the Tigers' rotation ERA is about a run higher than that of the Indians, and then that makes a huge difference, of course, over the course of the season. And we can break down the Tigers. Any number of ways, we talk about, you know, Justin Upton's early struggles or, or J.D. Martinez being out currently or the bullpen has certainly been a factor. But but really, by and large, when you're not getting consistent starting pitching, it, it's really tough to, to get much traction, and, and that's kind of been the, the struggle all season. Um, you know, Verlander has been really good on the whole this season. Uh, and, and two of his – he's probably had three – outings that really stick out to you, and two of them have come against the Indians uh, specifically, but uh, you look at the rest of the rotation, and we we identified Anibal Sanchez as kind of a a huge X factor going into the season, and obviously things not work out there, and then he spends a month in the bullpen. He comes back to start against the Tribe over the weekend, gives up four runs in five innings, including two home runs, so you know, it would be nice if the storyline was always seamless, and, and a guy kind of spends a month in the wilderness and comes back better for it, but Obviously, if that first start is indication, redemption is uh, is not yet at hand for Anibal Sanchez. No,
2: and yeah, I remember going into the season talking about how they needed Sanchez to be kind of that front-line or number-three starter, and if you get that, it allows you to look at Pelfrey as more of a back-end guy and not need too much out of him. Well, I mean, you look at it now, and they've gotten virtually nothing out of either of them and I think that's a big reason why the, the rotation right now is just in so much flux. Um, yeah, Verlander's been up and down, and, and Zimmerman's kind of fallen on hard times lately you ever come, after uh, coming back from that groin injury. But you know, Sanchez is really – you look at him and you think back to that guy who won the AL ERA title a few years ago, and you just – you wonder where that guy's gone, and I've been surprised surprised by his inability or his struggles to, to get consistent outs and to adapt his game with a loss of velocity. Here's a guy I thought could make the transition maybe even better than Verlander could, um, at, at least quicker, that, that he was a guy who you know could make those types of tweaks and adjustments to his game. And you look at the fastball velocity drop and you look at the rise in batting average and especially in percentage, the last couple of years, accompanied by that meteoric rise in home runs allowed, and it almost goes hand in hand. You know, here's a guy who's struggling to find that form, and you know, is it injury related? You know, who maybe somewhat, but he's still pitching and he's avoided the uh, avoided disabled list. But he's just he's not that effective pitcher right now, and it's created this really this gaping hole in the Tigers' rotation where they need somebody to set, to, uh, to step up. And when you combine that with Pelfrey, right now, if this team has a second-half surge in them, I think it's going to have to be led right by some of the younger pitchers. I think Daniel Norris is, is going to have to take on a bigger role than you'd like simply because you know, right now they don't have the arms to do otherwise.
1: Yeah, going into Pelfrey's start, Against the Marlins on Tuesday, uh, Pelfrey and Sanchez have combined to post a 5.87 ERA across 26 starts this season, and the Tigers have lost 18 of those 26 games started by those two guys. So obviously uh, a trend that, that has to change, or as you said, Beck a young guy has to step up. Let's talk about Norris a little bit because he did make his first start uh, at the big league level uh, last week, um, and he'll get another opportunity Wednesday against the Marlins. What was the takeaway from that first time out, and what's his outlook moving forward?
2: Um, you know, stuff is good. He tired a little bit near the end. Uh, command, I, I think his command was kind of what you expect when you look at the numbers he had down in AAA. Uh, he's having a little bit of that learning process after such an encouraging uh, stretch run last year. You kind of see him trying to do, you know, he trying to do too much sometimes, maybe a little bit, uh, maybe trying to throw too perfect of a pitch. Uh He'll work through that, though. You know, the arm's healthy, which I think is big. He's healthy, which I think is even bigger. I'm I mean, Body-wise, overall, health-wise, he's good. Um, I, now I think we need to get him repetitions. We need to get him long in that process. We need him to uh, oh, I'm gonna learn some lessons here. He's going to have to learn on the fly, and he's going to have to provide some innings, which if you look at the track record, granted, not that it's a, a long uh, history with him, but it's going to be a little bit up and down. And, uh, it, but he's going to have to stretch out that pitch kind of a little bit and let him go and give him some room to learn how to attack guys second, you know, maybe third time through the order, and uh, you know, see how to adjust his game, learn the mental approach as much as physical.
1: In fact, you talk about ups and downs, and that's Jordan Zimmerman's season. Uh, he had a 0.55 ERA in April, uh, in five starts in April. His was last seven starts. He's got 6.48 ERA, and I don't think he's as good as he looked in April. I don't think he's as bad as he's looked the last month-plus. Uh, but, but what do you make of the kind of yin and yang with Zimmerman season?
2: You know, the thing that stands out to me is Zimmerman or the struggles with two strikes. He had uh, he had a real struggle with that at a point at uh, during one of the strikes a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was against. And then uh, you know, last time out, he kind of had some similar um, you know, battles. It's just, it seems like he doesn't have, it's hard to call it a put-away pitch because he's not necessarily like a huge strikeout pitcher. I know he had some, some higher strikeout games earlier in the year, but you look at the body of work he's put up over the course of his career, he's not generally that guy, but not so much a put-away pitch, but, but a pitch that he can throw when he's ahead in the count and get weak contact or get guys to miss it, get easy out it just doesn't seem to be there right now. It seems like he's getting hit more solidly when uh, hitters are behind in the count, than he does when uh, when they hit him early. And it's really surprising from, from the particular history club. It makes you wonder if there's something wrong there mechanically. or Maybe he got into some bad habit. Or maybe just there's a pitch that uh, that isn't there right now, whether it's a slider or something else.
1: But what do you think things are with this team? Uh, we're, we're creeping up on July here uh, this week. And, um, you know, the Tigers, as I said, they're nine games over five hundred when they don't play the Indians. Uh, they, you know, they, they've got star talent. We know that. Uh, they're obviously uh, very much invested in this season from a financial standpoint, no doubt about that. But they also recognize, you know, the value of, of their prospects. Um, you know, trying to maintain some semblance of a farm system after the, the system got raided and years passed, trades passed. So, as we look ahead to the trade deadline, and granted it's more than a month away, but it just kind of seems like with this particular roster, what you see is what you get. Is, is that, uh, does that seem fair?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, uh, doing with the off day. You look at their situation, and there's some similarities to last year where you don't really know whether they're contenders or not going into July. You want to think they're a away, maybe a winning streak away for going into the thick of things. But uh, there's a couple problems to, to either the buyer's or the seller's outlook. Is that, um, for one, can you really justify giving up the top prospects that you gained last summer to get a quick fix uh, to uh, to give this team up to run to class. Is this team good enough to really mortgage the future one more time, especially when you look at the system and they need those upper-level guys really to uh, not just, you know, a few years down the road, but even just next year. I, they need those guys in there to field a, uh, a winning team, frankly. you have to start getting some contributions out of lower salary, cost-controlled guys. Um, and look at what their needs are, especially if you start talking about, well, this team could really use a starting pitcher to, to make a run for it. Well, I think there's a lot of teams out there, almost like every summer, that could use starting pitching. It, it, it's really a seller's market and in order to get that top-level pitching, or even a you know, top-level receiver, if you look at the, the teams in need out there, they would have to give up some, you know, a guy along the lines so like a Norris or a Fulmer, potentially. And it's hard to justify doing that. On the flip side, you know, if you look at the team and say, it, it, you can't go for it, maybe it's time to sell, you look at the contracts they're tied into, and it's hard to look at... Short-term pieces they can sell off without having to uh, give some, either give some sort of salary release or do something that really hurts their team not only now but down the road and next year and maybe even beyond. It's going to be hard to trade, you know, big contracts. But could you trade a J.D. Martinez going into his contract year next year
0: without really
2: hurting the team? I know you've seen. Some green shoots and, and encouraging signs of Stephen Moya, but do you really want to go down that road here and, and feel like they even can tend that way next year? There's going to be some some debate there, I would imagine, but I think when uh, Al Vila talked a few weeks ago about them likely being quiet around deadline time, I think that was one of the reasons. Is that you know what they did this past off season, and really what they've done for a few years now, they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room either way.
1: All right, we'll continue to check in with Beck uh, each week uh, throughout the regular season, and certainly leading up to the trade deadline. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. It's been MLB.com Extras, Detroit Tigers edition.